Scary Dad got a job, and Scary Dad's been working hard and long hours and focusing on getting his training completed so I can stop getting the, the company, went through restructure and stuff. So I'm getting these emails that says, hey, you need to finish this training. It was assigned to you in April, you know, like in August of 2020. And I was like, well, that was prescient of you because I wasn't even here then. <laughs> like, how much do y'all know about me? That sounds like where I work. <laughs> But um, but yeah, so I've been working, and the, the we had a we, we just couldn't schedule a show, so now we got a got some new stuff going on. So uh, without further ado, first the old business. All right, April fourteenth, born on this day in horror history, we're gonna go way way back into the archives. Um, Nineteen oh four. Remember Sir John Gilgood. Yeah. He was in so many movies. Um, he was in Frankenstein, The True Story, The Hunchback in Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, he, and he was in the 1984 version of Frankenstein. He was in so many other things. Yeah. He, he's one of those names that, like, you just, you Google him and his, the list is just yeah. long as hell. Uh, let's see. Rod Steiger, 1925. Um, the Illustrated Man, and the uh, Amityville Horror, and Mars Attacks. Classic. You know, and there were, these guys were in other movies besides these, but these are their horror claim yeah, to fame, yeah. you know. Um, comedian Kenneth Mars in 1936, who was in Young Frankenstein and Full Moon High, and he also did a lot of voice cartoons for Scooby-Doo. Um, 1941, Julie Christie who was in Demon Seed, Fahrenheit 451, Don't Look Now, and in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. 1961, Robert Carlyle. Mm-hmm. He was in the SGU Stargate Universe, 28 Weeks Later, Aragon, and he was also in Once Upon a Time. 1968, we've been talking about maybe trying to do something with weird science, but here we go. Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> He was in Weird Science and The Dead Zone. Yeah, he did that that series on USA or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, he was also in Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. Did a great douchebag. He did. He did it. He was a nerd, and then he turned into a douchebag. Yeah. It's like I guess that's what happens <laughs> when nerds go through puberty. He put on weight. You saw that? Like at that time, like he went for really scrawny. It's like it looks like he's been hitting the Krispy Kreme in the gym, man. He's put the on truth a little is, though, man, like because he was such a lovable nerd. Like I didn't believe him in Edward Scissorhands. Like he was good, but. It was just like he was he was playing so he far against, yeah, he playing he so far against type. Yeah. It was just like, dude, don't be mean to the outcast. You <laughs> are the outcast. Someone, <laughs> someone threw a Slurpee on you at the mall. Why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> All right, 1973. Adrian Brody. Ugh. Who's in King Kong, The Village, Hollywoodland? The Jacket. Such a great jacket. job in the jacket. He's in Alien, or he's in the like the Predator kind of reboot. Predators, sort of thing, yeah, Predators. yeah. Um, great actor, the pianist. Nineteen seventy-seven, 
Buffy herself, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Cool. She was in also, I didn't know she had such a horror. She was in Scream 2, mm-hmm. I Know What She Did Last Summer, Scooby-Doo 1 and 2, and The Grudge 1 and 2. Yep. And Which then, was pretty much the same as the original Grudge 1 and 2. Like, same director, same yeah, house, same script. Really same shot for shot. Yeah. Kind, of, kind of boring in that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, in 1996, Abigail Breslin, who was in Signs, and Zombieland, Honor, The Call, Maggie, Final Girls, and Scream Queens. So... Happy birthday to all of you. And if you missed anybody and it's your birthday, happy birthday to you <laughs> as well. And uh, we got some show to talk about, so we're, that's, that's old business. We're going to take a break and cut in with the new. You know who to call when you have ghosts. But who do you call when you have monsters? We're the Monster Squad. What's a squad? They're young and inexperienced. Naughty virgin! They're a bit disorganized. Monsters are not real. We don't know that, sir. 2,000-year-old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves. But when strange things start happening in town... There's a monster in my closet. Whoa! Look at that big, scary monster! What's happening? Do I see a werewolf? Silver bullet? They're the only ones ready to do battle. Cookie's out there and killing people. And if it's monsters, nobody's going to do a thing about it but us. Soon the creatures of the night show will go down. Real monsters? Us? Midnight in the world, remember? Maybe we can be like Mask Squad and Stingy. Two Mask Moms. We got 235. Big back up. Hurry up. Don't eat your squad. The book is right. Don't you see it's all true? By midnight. You guys. They won't seem so young anymore. Monster Squad. Wolfman's gone. And we're back. Okay, Mr. Gomez. New business is new business, and this is new business. All right, just to uh, lead off, of course, as you guys, I'm sure, are well aware, at the age of 50 years old, the world has lost DMX. Most unique rappers to ever come out. Uh, He had a very distinctive voice, very distinctive style. And what I love about DMX, besides his demons regarding drugs and alcohol, of course, I've never heard a bad word about that guy. He's not one of those rappers that had beef with other people. He didn't make songs where he was talking bad about others. He was a little homophobic, (laughs) in my opinion. But uh, but he he was genuinely seen like an actual good dude. And he... Fortunately, lost him way too early. He's actually supposed to do a concert at Wildcatters mm-hmm. in about a month. And, uh, huh. Yeah, he was scheduled to be over there until this incident happened. So, R.I.P. to D.M.X. All right. In today's episode of Why Are You Doing That With Technology Right Now? I'm not sure if you guys saw this video that got released recently uh, for Elon Musk's new Neuralink 
transmitter that he put out. Have you seen this video? The one playing Pong. You with the monkey, monkey playing Pong. Yes. yes. <laughs> Dude, we're coming full circle. My it, first video game was Pong. Let it begin. <laughs> Here in a little while, the monkey's going to start bitching that the graphics suck. Dude, pixels are crap. <laughs> but in, in the video, the uh, the monkey who has a Neuralink transplanted into his brain is seen playing a Pong game with the controller. And at some point, they activate the Neuralink, unplug the controller and the monkey is able to continue playing pong with mm-hmm. only his thoughts mm-hmm. uh, genius so the, beautiful the, the neural link is uh, seen as a way for let's say uh, quadriplegics and people to be able to utilize smartphones and technology and stuff by just using their minds they'll actually, they'll actually be able aesthetics. they'll actually be able to you know do these tasks faster than we can as far as sending a brain impulse right. to your hand and, and using it so uh, it's pretty great. It's this, pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. He, he's calling it a Fitbit for your skull. <laughs> originally revealed at a press briefing in August 2020. This is this has been our first uh, video of it actually being in, uh, used in a uh, macaque, a primate. So we'll see where that goes. <laughs> I remember he, the first time I'd heard about it was he was on a Joe Rogan podcast like early last year or something. And he was talking about how they were working on this Neuralink technology. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it goes with it. It's uh, it's pretty amazing technology. Oh yeah, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's about time we got some future stuff other than fancy new phones no, just, or a no car more. that parallel parks itself. <laughs> <laughs> no more remote control. Just look at your TV. Think about what you want to watch. See, that's going to be terrible because my brain flashes through so many things. <laughs> my screen's going to give me seizures. You're going to get in trouble because your wife's going to want to watch like. Uh, love actually, and it's just gonna flip to porn. I do. I'm gonna look. Like, Stop that! I'm gonna look at tits, <laughs> and I'm gonna get tits, and the tits are gonna pop up, and then I'm gonna get kicked out. Second thought: I don't want Neuralink. I don't need it. Not for my TV. Okay. <laughs> next up, uh, I found this article and found it interesting for a couple. Uh, the headline reads: "Pandemic brings more calls for exorcism ministry by Archdiocese of." Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Now, when you think hotbeds of exorcism, would you think <laughs> Indiana? Suddenly, I do. <laughs> Suddenly, it, it's all so clear. What are we doing in Indianapolis? Okay, a Catholic priest who does, okay, I love this. He does thousands. Mm. It's a singular. Mm-hmm. One Catholic priest does thousands by himself of exorcisms a year. God bless him. A does he year. That's like three or four a day without any days oh, off. Right? I saw the exorcist. This is supposed to take days. And I, I, I love this. He does them year-round in central Indiana. So this is only one you know, small spot. area of Indiana. This one be... guy is doing thousands. He's not spreading out. Right, 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 right. Apparently, just it's just right reoccurring there. or something. Maybe, he's, he just sucks at his maybe job. he's doing them via Zoom. He doesn't have to leave the parish. He can just, the power of Christ compels you and signs off. <laughs> and he says the pandemic has only made it worse. Uh, ah, poor guy. The extra time the pandemic has provided has given him the time to write a book about his experiences, of course. So he's going to be selling this book. Uh, he grew up on the west side of Indy in the Hallville neighborhood, the seventh of nine children. Uh, he was initially appointed to exorcism ministry. He was one of 12 in the United States. Now there's more than 125 certified exorcists in the United States from the Catholic Church. It's crazy, dude. That's, the satanic panic ended way back when. You would that's think what they it, wanted you to think. <laughs> that's amazing. I'd love to meet this guy. Not enough hours in the day for this man. How did he write a book? Where did he find the time? <laughs> 
you know what I mean? Tell him, you, tell him you got problems. Yeah, go have him come over. And then Dude, like, I, need, well, I, don't, I, I don't need to meet the, What's his name? <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I, don't really have a, I don't really have a demon. Per but, se. Uh, but I, I really just wanted to talk to you. So uh, uh, He's been doing it for 15 years. Says that he's seen it all. He uh, He's seen levitation. Eyes rolled back in the head. Foaming at the mouth. People falling on the floor. Slithering like a snake across the ground. Speaking language otherwise unknown to an individual and exhibiting superhuman strength. Dude, I've Everything been to Third Ward out too. Of a Hollywood. Yeah. Hollywood uh, yeah, I've been to Third Ward. I've seen all that. Uh, he trained for three months in a bio, uh, under apprentice for three months under a Franciscan <laughs> priest it's, in Rome. It's like a mail away program. <laughs> <laughs> Did they have like an online college I could sign up for like this? They have a picture. This of, is... They have a picture of Reagan, and you go ahead draw the outline and send it. Yeah, it's <laughs> authorized to like Arizona U or something like that. Uh, yeah, so interesting article. Like I said, I didn't uh, think Indiana would be a hotbed for exorcism. Yeah, that's it's at 500, man. It causes a lot of people to lose their minds. And all those horses. All right, a little bit of uh, horror news today. Uh, another reason to subscribe to Shudder. The uh, Fangoria Chainsaw Awards are coming to Shudder this month. I'm month ready. April. Uh, this is actually, while there hasn't been a televised horror uh, award show in years... The uh, the Chainsaw Awards have been going on since 1992 when the magazine first started. Right, so right. This isn't a fr- uh, new thing, but it kind of will be new on television. I think the last time I saw one was like on Spike when they had Spike TV. Yeah. They had like a horror award thing. Yeah, it's been a long time. So the uh, the presenters have been uh, announced for the 2021 awards. Uh, starting it off is David Dash Malshin. Uh, from Ant-Man and the Walls, actor and writer, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis will be presenting, Keith David, Gigi Sol, Guerrero, director of Culture Shock, uh, Isla Lopez, Kevin Smith, Tyrannive Duo, uh, Jason Bloom, James Judd Courtney, Doug Jones, and Bitch Puddin, <laughs> who is a drag artist. That's, that's the one I'm holding out for. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the rest of you guys. <laughs> But yeah, so that's going to be uh, happening April 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central for anybody that wants to Dude, that's... That. Ever since I got Shudder, I tell you what, man. I heard Creepshow's really good. I, I, I find some good that. stuff on there, and half the time when I'm looking for a new horror movie that doesn't pop up on Prime unless it's for rent, I just randomly check Shudder, and it's most there. of the time it's there. Right. And we're able to watch a lot of stuff. I mean... Some of it is is hot garbage, but sometimes you want hot garbage. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's one of those subscription services. I'm like, you know, I keep that. It's like a song somebody to Vegas. As long as it's fun, hot garbage, I'll right. watch that. Don't shit take yourself too seriously. Yeah. I'm gonna run over you with that bullshit. But if you're having fun with it, be garbage, sir. <laughs> hey, and uh, leading into pause our pause real quick. <laughs> okay, need headphones. <laughs> That's <laughs> really good. That's really good. Was Brave Star the one where the guy had the gun in his chest? Or what was that? Or was that another one? All right. What you got next? Okay, bro. Now, uh, leading into part of our discussion for the day, uh, announcing a release July 23rd, 2021. The fourth installment of Hotel Transylvania will be coming out, which is Hotel Transylvania Transformia. Dude, they're just going to keep doing it. It's going to be like the land before time. It'll be like 20 minutes. That's like Adam, dude, Adam Sandler just like goes to the ATM. Like other people go to ATM. Adam Sandler's like, let's make a movie. He's just money. 
But did, wasn't his I mean, thing, the, one of the reasons he came out with some of the shit he came out with recently, didn't Netflix say, hey, we'll give you $50 million, make 10 movies for right, you? So right, he was right, like, yeah. okay. It's like he just made that. a bunch of garbage. He called his friends up, like, hey, you guys want to make some <laughs> You guys want to hang out? Netflix is buying. Bring the camera over. But that being said, Deadline notes that the movie is the final chapter in the Sony Pictures so, was, so you name your part four final chapter you expect anybody to believe that that's so what was it, so was Friday the 13th <laughs> the final chapter well it uh, was funny as a Friday the 13th I don't know if I ever sent it to you but me and my cousin made a movie when we were kids and uh, it was a parody of Friday the 13th mm-hmm. and I was maybe 13 years old at the time he just had a camera me and him used to make all kind of stupid ass shit and uh, we named it Friday the 13th part 8 because we thought there's no way they will ever have it's a never party. gonna get to <laughs> now you gotta name it like 13 or 15 the funny thing is he posted it on Facebook and I watched it and no lie the, the music the cinematography and everything was better than that <laughs> shit I've seen so many crappy indie films that like I'm sitting here watching it and like the cutaways, it, and I'm, I'm not like it's a parody. It's supposed to be funny, right? But like there's this long still shot. You see Scott. He's like in the shadows. Like there's a light up behind him. You can't see him. He's making the Jason. He's like, chah, 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 chah. but it's like this long dramatic kind of slow roll in. Like the guy's like just kind of creeping so the camera's steady. And I'm like, okay, that is well shot. In the film, <laughs> <laughs> compared to a lot of the stuff that I've seen, man. dude, we, me, me, and my cousin Mark used to come up with the crazy. Shit. We did a, a a Max Headroom parody. What we did is he had a Commodore sixty four, right? And on on the TV, we put his Commodore sixty four screensaver. He put on a suit, and I got off camera, and we filmed him with me talking to him, and then we played it on his mom's uh, projection television. And I just mimed the words back so it looked like we were having a conversation with each other. And there's like one part where uh, I take a knife and we had filmed it to where when I pull the knife out, he jumps back and shit. I mean, dude, it's crazy how good a 15 and 13 year old kid back, you know, in 1985. That's know, pretty great. All this stupid shit. It's, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> dude, the, the Friday the 13th one's pretty awesome. No, no mask. He's got no mask. No, no mask. He's just being my curly hair. With just a hockey cut. enthusiast. No mask to be found. There's a scene where I get hit by a car. It's so funny because it's cutaway shots. We we uh, we edited it with two VCRs. So you know how when right. you used to stop it, you would see the transition between mm-hmm. the... <laughs> you see all the transition. Nothing's smooth, dude. It's, it's cool, though. <laughs> it was funny because he posted it, and I watched it. I was like, for a couple of kids messing around in the backyard, dude. Pretty damn good for you know what I mean. <laughs> like y'all had a future there. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I got for today. Awesome. Well, let's not fail to mention if you've made it this far, you're more interested in us and what we're doing. That we just announced our fourth, even though it's year five, our fourth annual Scary Dad's Haunted Halloween show. The final chapter. Yeah. <laughs> let's hope not. Um, but. October 30th, Wildcatter Saloon. Um, hit up the website, check out all the fun stuff we got going on. Um, to be honest, with 2019 really not hitting on all cylinders, and 2020 we get kind of blown out of the water by the by the pandemic. Um, I was the kind of thinking that experiment was over, but then 2021 kind of comes roaring back and let us know that the horror community is strong and they want to come out and play. And uh, we're here for them. So it's going to be a it's going to be a, a different kind of show. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a full day and night party. Yep. And a celebration of Halloween. So if it, 
We love Halloween. We didn't get to celebrate Halloween very well last year, so this Dude, is the year to make so up mad. for it. It was on a perfect day. <laughs> Everything lined up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to have guests coming. So far, the only guest that we have announced, of course, is because they'll actually be playing a concert that night is Ari Lemon with uh, First Jason, of course, Doyle with Doyle. Yeah, from the Misfits. Yes. Yep. And we're going to have some cool costume contests. We're probably going to do a Jason co- costume contest judged by Ari. And uh, we're going to have, it's going to be a good time. Cannot wait. It's going to be so bad. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the first half of the show or the first part of the show. We're going to get into it in just a second. Are you hungry? Hungry as a gremlin? Here's gremlin cereal. Gremlins, gremlins, bite after bite. What a tasty way to satisfy a gremlin appetite. Gremlins is a deliciously sweet, crunchy cereal that satisfies the hungry little gremlin. That's in all of us. Gremlins, gremlins, bite after bite. What a tasty way to satisfy a gremlin appetite. Gremlins cereal is part of this complete breakfast. Gremlin, yum, yum. Okay, so as many of you know, I did a show called You Know What's Awesome, and my co-host Ricky and I were both veterans of the horror podcasting community. That's how we met. We met at Frightmare. We met because of Frightmare. Um, We follow each other's shows. We guested on each other's shows, and we put awesome together, and we're like, okay, this is not a specifically horror show. This is just all things awesome from our lives, so it's a nostalgia show. But... Being who we are, we kept falling back, almost kind of, kind of leaning into the horror genre just by accident. It's just something that pops up, and we talk about it. But one thing that was constantly a subject was the concept of gateway horror, and what that was was the stuff that maybe it was, you know, Halloween special spooky. But it wasn't really a horror movie. It wasn't like you saw, like Scott mentioned many times, that he saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre way too young. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a horror movie made for people to watch a horror movie and not made for children. We're talking about the stuff that's kind of, not even necessarily made for children, but just kind of has that kind of... There's some horror tropes in it. Got that trope. Yeah, <laughs> that thing that, yeah. Wanna, that draws you in that makes you just kind of want to look further into it, yeah. that, pull, that pulls you in. So we got Boomlin with us today. Yay! Um, and you know we're gonna just talk about the that that cool shit out there. So right. uh, this is episode a lot. Find a number. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, yeah I think it's like one seventy one or two or three or four. Or I don't know. There's a whole lot before us, and there'll be a whole lot after. So uh, welcome to the show. And without further ado, what was the thing that that just made you be like, ooh, I want to see more of that. Well, one of the ones I definitely want to bring up, because it was a huge part of my childhood and a lot of people's childhoods, is, you know, you had Conan came out, big fantasy movie. It mm-hmm. just blew the box office, and people started looking at, you know, ways to capitalize off of Conan's success. And one of those things was coming out with the movie Beastmaster. Beastmaster was supposed to be a fantasy movie, Conan-type thing. Ended up having several horror elements in it that were just... It, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it... it 
I've rewatched it recently. Uh, it uh, it's on Amazon Prime right now. If you haven't seen it yet, it's just a great movie, man. I mean, they have everything from the witches that yeah. work with Rip Torn. Yeah, they have child sacrifice. Just having Rip Torn. <laughs> <laughs> just Rip Torn. They have the uh, the Birdmen that dissolve the flesh. Dude, what are like eagle people? Whatever <laughs> condor people? Those people are fucking awesome. And that was the most of their budget. Hell. You could tell they were terrifying. The berserkers that are created yes. by putting uh, uh, leeches Typical in their ears in their ears yeah. I mean it's just it, it's a great movie it's a it's a, it, it's almost it goes back and forth for you know being a kids movie with uh, with John Amos in there from Good Times mm-hmm. uh, protecting this young boy and there's animals and I wanted a tiger so bad I wanted <laughs> ferrets I wanted ferrets after watching that movie because it just it they had all these elements for kids but at the same time the witches scared the shit out of you now when I rewatched it the other day one thing I didn't realize as much when I was a kid Witches were actually pretty hot. Witches if were hot. Didn't and look naked. at their faces. <laughs> they were really, really, really hot, and they were mostly naked. Yes, and, and there was one. There's some things because I watched it recently as well, and there's some things in Beastmaster that you don't like because the action moves on, the story moves on, and so like, but if you if you pay attention, so for example, the bird people. When he comes upon the bird people, there's a little boy in the bird people's cage. Yes, yeah, yeah. The, thief he, the bird or whatever, people. The bird people have. A child in a cage, like people put birds in cages, and the beastmaster comes up and he releases the boy from the cage, and the boy's like, "Whoa, you, you know, there's bad news around here," and um, the, he lets the little boy go, and the little boy runs right into the arms of one of the yeah. birdsmen, and the bird, the little boy, yeah. is it just alive? Just straight up, alive, like, it bones fall. Out. <laughs> I love the sound effects too. It sounds. Oh, it's the so child good. sacrifice just the is just bit. so unceremonious too. It's like it's child sacrifice time. Chuck the kid, yeah. <laughs> chuck a kid into the fire, just like and it's like I want that one. And there's like parents like cowering in fear because their child's being taken. Oh yeah, it's like oh my dude. God. One of my one of my favorite parts is when they're on the, they're on like a raft with a rope and they're supposed to be ferrying to the other side of this waterway and they've got these priests from the Judd Horde, the bad guys, and they've got them all tied. With nooses around their necks instead of their hands yes. or anything. But they're all around their necks and they attach them to this giant water pillar. And they decide they need to shed some weight so they, they just kick the water off. pillar. Yeah, and these guys do like dominoes <laughs> yanked in the water just just drown them. Fuck them. There was, they go. And those no are the good thought. guys. Those and those guys never panic. When they're being taken one off, they're just head down, ready to sacrifice. Right. Like, yep, this is a cult. But, but, those, it, but those are your good guys, too. Your good guys are the right. ones to kick them off into the yeah, water. Because yeah. it's like... <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's such an odd movie because half of the movie looks like it was geared to bring kids into that Conan fantasy realm, and then the other half of the movie, you know, the, the king has his eyes ripped out. Yes, you know? yeah. Yeah. he's in the jun- yeah. dungeon after having his eyes taken out, dude. It, it's when, when the witch takes the woman's baby out of her belly and transports it to a cow. It's it's some scary. Dude, shit. that movie was on drugs. So I was like, I was probably like eight years old when. Um, and I first saw it on home video. You know, my parents rented it, or it was coming on HBO. But I remember being, you know, my daughter's age, my you know, my younger daughter's age, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna watch this great movie." You know, it's called Beastmaster. You know, it was, talks he talks to animals. Memories of memories, because I mean, I'm sure there was lots of movie nights. But man, my dad, you remember Ovaltine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the chocolate milk. Yeah, like they pop popcorn and gave me some Ovaltine, and we're sitting there watching the Beastmaster. And through all of those horror elements that are going on, nobody cares. My parents are not like, ooh, this is maybe just a little bit too far for the kid. And I'm just sitting there watching it like, oh, this is... <laughs> you know what, Kyle? The boobs. 
Tanya Roberts at the river. She's like, they're like, like, oh, oh, nope, you got to close your eyes. Don't look <laughs> at that. I mean, I'm just like, oh, you can watch, you can watch the Birdman, you know, like suck the the, the uh, yeah, flesh just, flesh from the bones of a child, but no boobs. That's bad. Yeah, you can watch Rip Torn throw a kid into the fire pit at the top of the Aztec <laughs> temple, but don't you dare look at those nipples, young man. <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then the, the beginning of the movie, the, the king dares to, you know, challenge Ripped Horn's uh, desire to do things he wants to do. So he looks at his his followers, and they immediately know, okay, he wants us to kill ourselves. Oh yeah, they, they strangle themselves. Up. They commit suicide right there on screen. <laughs> I love how that's like the weirdest flex. Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't think I could do it? Kill yourselves. Yeah. They're like, all right. Yeah. And King's like, oh, fuck my. But bad. Yeah, so that's definitely one that uh, it had some. When it first came out, it had some surprising horror elements to it. For sure, man. Do you know sure. what uh, what one really kind of crept up on me, and it was so wholesome, was The Secret of Nim. Yo, yeah. It's no, such... I, I, I found it, the VHS the other day, yeah. and I re- rewatched it. It's such a good movie. It's dude. such a good movie. It's got day. a beautiful soundtrack. Was it Don Bluth doing the art? Went on to do, like, Dragon's Lair and stuff like that. Just great story. And it's it's very much, you know, family thematic. You know, it's a, a woman, a female, trying to to provide for her family, for her kids, because she lost her husband. It was it was a little deep, but you were a little kid, and you can ignore those elements and just caring parent figure. But doing that when the owl comes in and like she goes into the dark part of the forest, that was bloody terrifying. Right. Oh, and the sword fight with the rats. Oh yeah, and, like, no, I mean, there the was rats just like, looked so evil. They did the, such the a Don Bluth, and they did such a great job scoring that and the sound. It went from family friendly to horror really fast. Right. Well, what was interesting is at that time you didn't have adult animation. Mm-hmm. You had heavy metal. And, and like watership was, down. That was specifically geared towards adults. Secret of Nim was more geared it was, towards it was a family kids. film. Right. Well, yeah. and D- Disney found themselves in this kind of quandary because I was looking into it because like Black Hole, which is like a prequel to freaking Event Horizon, really. Have you ever watched that? It's yeah. so oh, yeah. bizarre. Yeah. But it's a sci-fi movie. It's a Disney sci-fi movie. But so Disney was finding themselves at a, at a kind of this strange crossroads in that. Their core audience had grown up, yeah. and, and and so right. instead instead of looking and going like, well, there's a new children of the new generation of children born every day. Let's just keep focusing on that demo. They followed their demo up, and they started getting into some really dark places. So you see, you know, the, <clears throat> the secret of Nim and Str- like and and every like Disney's the leader, so everybody was kind of following them. But you know, like. You got some straight up horror movies with uh, you know, oh like, kid stuff like the Black Cauldron. Yeah, dude, that had I mean it was it was almost like you know it was there it was I forget who did it It wasn't Disney but it was their their answer to Excalibur mm-hmm. or to the Sword in the Stone the Black Cauldron and it was all based around very horror esque Halloween imagery skulls and black magic and demons and stuff and that's one that gets almost no love nowadays I think at that time that was a movie. They geared it toward children, and it hit so far past them that even adults were like, well, we probably... I mean, it didn't have nudity or curse words, but it was just so dark, mm-hmm. and people didn't know what to do with it. So they kind of shy away, and even to this day, a lot of people haven't seen The Black Cauldron. But it was I saw time. it when I was a kid. I haven't seen it in a long time, but yeah. I, I've kind of been on a fantasy kick lately with like Beastmaster and like Sword and the Sorcerer and stuff. Because one of those was... I was going to mention, you know, it's probably the, my youngest, like, ooh... This is some spooky do here. It was like I was a big fan of Scooby Doo, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember being, you know, like freaking like four or five years old, and 
you know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and I wasn't in school yet, so, like, I'd have to take my afternoon nap, and when I woke up from my afternoon nap, Scooby-Doo was on, right? And then, um, so I watched Scooby-Doo, but then my parents bought me one of those records, the book-record combination, and it was a Batman book-record combination, and he was fighting Man-Bat. And so, you know, the intro of Scooby-Doo, where you've got the bats, like, squeaking... So that sound, well, every time Man Bat was in the in the scene, you'd have that screech of a bat, <coughs> and that thing scared the bejesus out of me. And I, I went back and I saw it again, you know, later, and it's really not a scary story because you know if you know the story of Man Bat, like he 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 was he's trying to create a, like a vaccine or something, right. and he was using like bat DNA, and he ended up turning into yeah, the right. Man Bat. And he's kind of an anti-hero. He's like not really bad, but he's misunderstood. Well, he's he, he's violent when he when he loses control. He's like yeah. a Jekyll and Hyde character. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't where he was like just he was he wasn't hurting anybody. He was just being him, and Batman was coming to get him. That book scared the crap out of me. <laughs> but then I was always just like fascinated with that kind of. Right, you know, because that—that's just kind of where I lived, you know. Like back, Scott and I have talked about the Weekly World News and like the Loch Ness monster, and you know the things that live in the shadows, those right, sorts of right, things. Right. And even though it scared me, I really just wanted to kind of like peek inside and like shine a flashlight and see what was there, because well, it's similar to you know enjoying roller coasters, mm-hmm. right? You know, that's one of the reasons why I, I loved horror so much as a kid. Horror movies that we'll get this in another episode, but horror movies that I shouldn't have been watching is mm-hmm. it was that adrenaline. Rush. Right, you know, right. Once I discovered that, and it just it was fascinating to me, just that these things existed. And especially, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll get into that. I mean, <laughs> uh, along the lines of uh, back to what we were talking about, along the lines of uh, Secret Nim, we were talking. Another one would be Dark Crystal. Yes, Dark Crystal was another one. Yeah, that, uh, great they, stuff. And the Netflix series did such a good job of staying true. to That was Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, uh, but just when, when they rip off the the feathers of that one mm-hmm. vulture character, that that was scary as hell as a kid. That was just creepy as, as all get out, man. It. Uh, but that was another one that had plenty of horror elements to it. It was uh, the the one woman with the the sorcerer, sorceress yeah, yeah, yeah. with the crazy yeah. eye and everything. That Did, was a... You know who brought out some gateway stuff for a lot of people. One of the things one of the things that I remember seeing as a kid that really kind of pulled me deeper into horror was watching the video for Thriller. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, because the video... I mean, the song is okay. But when you get the video, you get the whole thing, taking the girl to the theater, watching the scary movie. You get the... the, the I forget who did the effects. It wasn't Baker. But the, the wolf effects, the zombie effects in that. It was Stan Winston, got, wasn't it? I forget who did the It was effects. either Stan Winston, Rick Baker, or Greg Nicotero. In fact, I think it was Rick Baker, actually. It could have been. I didn't think it was. But, dude, the effects were on point. The the werewolf, when he turns in the wolf, looks amazing. Mm-hmm. The, the zombie effects, whenever they're doing the dance sequence. And then when the video continues with her hiding in the, the cabin and him smashing through the door. And you got Vincent Price doing his monologue yeah. in the left. Dude, that was horror- all the way through. It, it was, was a beautiful, beautiful was video. <laughs> the way that was shot was just, there was money was. spent. And Michael Jackson at that point, I mean, he's still a big name long after he's gone. But at that point, it was like he was at his apex. Mm-hmm. He was king of the world. Thriller was like the number one album. I didn't own albums. I had Thriller. Yeah. 
and mm. do that video had to have sparked interest all over the world into horror into yeah. horror just with the effects itself it was just amazing and there were so work. many in that movie there were so many odes to horror yes past. dude there you look when you walk in when they walk into the theater you can see the classic movie posters yeah. in the background there's just there's so just many like elements the, the old driving style horror mm-hmm. movies with the date you know bringing Vincent Price yeah, you know yeah. He's wearing a Letterman jacket when yeah. they sit down. It's it's so good. He's got that. He's got like a Teen Wolf homage it's in very, there. Very very 50s, 60s, yeah, yeah. Like even 30s and 40s. Universal monsters very, type. Universal yeah. monsters. Yeah, the effects were on point. I mean, they look better than a lot of movies coming out at the time. Yeah. So whoever they brought in, they brought in a professional team. This and you can tell. I'm pretty sure it was Rick Baker. There was mm-hmm. a there was a love of horror going into that, and that dude that that blew my mind. Because I it, I think it was directed by John Landis actually. It may have been. I, I, it's something I want to look up because I, I think John Landis, uh, because he was he was riding high off of uh, Werewolf, and I think I think it was John Landis that did. Uh, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. I'm gonna look it up. No. Um, go ahead. Oh no no go ahead. Well, I was gonna say the next one's gonna bring up, and I promise everybody we're gonna get to some newer movies. But you gotta realize we're a bunch of old dudes. In <laughs> we primarily talk about things that affected us most as, as children, but. You cannot talk about unintentional horror without talking about Clash of the Titans. One of the best movies. That is declamation, bro. That's ever oh, been that made. Stop motion. Stop motion. Jesus, so but much. Just another one where you have the witches sharing the one eye. You have fates, Medusa yeah. getting her head cut off and put in a bag, and the dude just pops it out whenever he needs to use it. I mean, that, that there were a lot. In the swamp with Calibus, and it cuts his, cuts his hand off, off yeah. and then he sticks a hook in it. It's just there's there's so much in that movie that it was it was scary as a kid. It, it, was, it was scary, scary. Was, dude. I dude, I love that movie so oh, much. Yeah. I love that movie. I didn't know there was toys for it until I was grown, dude. Me but, neither. I was like, I where were known, these when I was a kid? I, I had known. <laughs> I would I would have been all over. I mean, it, that man. Kraken figure is just awesome, man. I won't eventually. I found a Calibus. Because it was a low, it's G.I. Joe size. Uh-huh. So the makeup for Calibus was just nuts. Yeah. He looked terrifying. Yes. Dude, I mean, he looked like the devil. I mean, he's red with horns and a tail. Like, right? He's just like, <laughs> he is the devil. And, dude, there's just so much good. In, like, dude, when, because that's, <laughs> that's Maggie Smith. Um, whenever her head falls off, the statue. Say, yeah, it was Athena, like, right? And, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And the eyes open, and she's like, "You done fucked up now." This scared like, shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> As a kid, that was a jump scare. All of a sudden, the music hits. Yeah, yeah. That that movie. That's another one that, as a kid. It gave you that adrenaline feel that you just come to love from from being scared yeah. of horror. Man. So it was directed by Landis, and it was Baker who did the effects. Okay, boom. Points for me. I didn't. I didn't think it was Baker, but <laughs> I, I remember reading about it being Baker. One time. It's just dude, the, the the makeup in that is so incredibly on point, and it blends so well with the music and the choreo. I mean, it just it's an outstanding video. Oh it's yeah, an experience. Yeah. It's not, not a, just a music video; it's an experience. It, uh, easily, yeah. So, I was gonna say, like you know, talking about the fantasy stuff before we get off that. I went back recently because I used to watch this movie all the time because it is just so awesome and there's underwater boobs in it but Dragon Slayer dude I've re- I made my kids watch it they Dragon it Slayer amazing I've watched it a million times is, I, have the, I have the VHS <laughs> DVD Dragon Slayer is so brutal it's got Pee Wee from Porky's but yeah I definitely remember the underwater so boobs so brutal man and like 
I used to watch this thing all the time, and, yeah. I, and it scared the shit out of me every time because the dragon's just brutal. Like the dragon, the dragon is, is brutal. Is is not nice, but the the crazy thing about it that I didn't notice ever growing, you know, like when I was watching it as a kid, because I used to like look away certain scenes, you know, like oh shit, like that's that's. And there's a lot of them in that movie, but the princess. So if you don't know the story of Dragon Slayer, and uh, like spoiler alert, the princess dies because that's how it works. But the princess finds out. So there, the story is there's this dragon that the wizard made a deal with. That there's a lottery every year, and they take a person and they sacrifice that person to the dragon. And to the dragon, the dragon won't the dragon won't kill everybody. So the pre the the the, the uh, wizard dies. So then the pact is broken, and then the dragon just starts, you know, going ape shit. And then the princess finds out that that her father's been rigging the lottery. And so leaving her name out of it. So in a in a act of ultimate heroism, she rigs the opposite way. It's all her name. And she puts she makes the whole lottery is nothing but her name. She's going to sacrifice herself for her people because she's noble and she's awesome. So you think this is gonna get her, you know, to the end credits. But oh oh no no. The dragon comes out, the the dragon slayer rescues her. Busts her off of the thing and it's like, come with me and if you want to live. And she wrestles him off and runs into the dragon's cave. And you're like, okay. At some point, this dragon is going to be like, okay, mutual respect. Fist bump. You came in here and you were you were noble and you were fearless and you, you self-sacrificed. So, you know, uh-uh. When the Dragon Slayer goes down into the cave, the baby dragons are eating, eating her princess. body. Yes. Like fried chicken. And those baby dragons were creepy as hell. The baby dragons are scary as hell, but they're chomping down, and the effects, like the flesh effects of those dragons eating that dead princess, are just ruthless. Like, this is one of those films where, like, these people are living in a world where there's not a whole lot of happy endings, and this wasn't one either. And son of a bitch, dude, I didn't realize how much, like, I had not watched that movie in, like, 20 years. I watched it not too long ago, and it was just like, like, we do fresh eyes. This, to me, really was fresh eyes, because I had what I thought was memories, and when it came out, I was like, this is one of the scarier movies I've ever seen. It was freaking ruthless. It was a Disney Lucasfilm right. pairing yeah, yeah. In, in the early <clears throat> 80s, because that's what they did, was they just, like, they <clears throat> killed children and, like... <laughs> it was make, make unhappy ending. It's a great movie. I had, I had my kids watch that in Excalibur, which is another one that opening scene where he's just humping the shit out of his. Yeah. <laughs> it's like hardcore porn, and you're just like, oh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for putting this one on. I thought it was Flash Gordon. I thought it was Flash Gordon. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but those, those movies are just so good, man. They were so good, and they hold up so well to this day, man. You know. They need, then, to, they need to do a 4K on, on Dragon Slayer because, <clears throat> dude, on VHS in 1981 technology, that dragon's flight, it looks better than Game of Thrones. It is amazing. Dude, when the dragon comes crawling out, when he's uh-huh. crawling through the cave, I have for the time period that movie came out, I have no idea how they did that effect. Mm. It looks like CGI, but there was no CGI back then. But the dragon is just hauling ass through right. the cave and shit after after Pee Wee from Porky's. <laughs> That's who he is now. That's all he's ever gonna be is Pee Wee from Porky's. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a great film, definitely, definitely. Uh, 
There's some scary elements. Yeah, you story. want to show a seven-year-old that movie and be like, "So let's not be a horror fan after this, <laughs> right, dude. I got to see how they did this. <laughs> this is amazing." <laughs> there was a lot of good stuff. Uh, it was. It was. I was already pretty deep into horror when it came out, but I had friends that were big into like the Nickelodeon horror, like Goosebumps, Goosebumps yeah. and like Are You Afraid of the Dark and stuff like that. I mean, I'd already moved past it. Yeah, I was yeah. already into more hardcore stuff. Me too. Yeah, but that was a that. That allowed a lot of my friends yeah. to kind of get a little more interested in in horror itself. They got their little taste of the ghosts. They wanted to, taste wanted to of see it. more. Wanted right, to and they would, they'd ask him about it. Like, hey, you like you like ghost movies? I've got some, you know, we can watch Poltergeist. Or, or you like demon stuff? Hey, man, I got this stuff at my, my stepdad's video store. Because he had a video store in Friendswood. So I had open season on, on anything I wanted to watch. And I was that guy. A lot of my friends' parents were very Christian, very proper no curse word and stuff. They'd come and stay the night at my house because I could show them all the R-rated stuff. Yeah. And we'd have, they'd say, oh, I saw this Goosebumps. It had like a killer doll. It's like, yeah, I killer dolls. <laughs> pop in child's play, you know? <laughs> Just completely ruin them for the whole thing. Well, uh, speaking of Goosebumps and stuff, you know, this one thing that I often get asked, I'm sure you guys get asked too, or you just see people post on, you know, Facebook or whatever, social media, what's a horror movie I can introduce my kids to? Yeah. To see if they enjoy horror. And Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. But, but what, what I'm going to bring up, which I did, a, I did a rewatch of this one the other day. I talked about it on the podcast before. You know how much I love Saturday the 14th. That was... And it's such a... You know, I've watched it so many times when I was younger, and it, I just never got... It was but, so weird. You watch what's it. what's interesting is, I watched it the other night. Now, Saturday the 14th came out in 1981, mm-hmm. approximately three years before Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. In Saturday the 14th, I don't know if you remember the bathtub scene, mm-hmm. where it's, it's identical to the future Freddy scene. Right. Where he's, With the hand he's, coming out. Yeah, 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 except it's a fin coming out right, this time. Right, right. Also, the address for the house on Saturday the 14th is 329 Elm Street, which I thought Aww. was interesting. Aww. You know, I was wondering, you know, did Wes Craven do a little ode to... Maybe he yeah. he did a he did certainly did an ode to Phantasm when he made yes. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Right. But well, the thing is too, and that's that was another thing we on an awesome podcast because we were talking about like you know we watched Spaceballs, and you know Mel Brooks is in a whole league of his own. But there was a lot of parody movies that came out that you know like I'm gonna blame the Wayans brothers for stuff like Scary Movie where it's like. We're parodying this movie, but we're just going to fill it full of, like, falling down and and stuff. (laughs) The first parody they did was amazing. But then, you know, but like you take, like, did I was like, Saturday the 14th is a cohesive story. Sure. That's, it's kind of funny, but it's got those kind of, like, comedy horror elements, like, dun, dun, dun. Right. But it's actually, I mean, it's not a good movie by any stretch, but it's a better movie than there's a, than a lot of the parody movies out there. And I remember, because I was a little kid watching it, I had never seen Friday the 13th, but I remember seeing like these little monsters and just different things going on, and it was spooky, and it was interesting. And so, like... Well, it introduced you to cer- It certainly landed, right. landed well with right, me. Right, right. And you had, like, you know, like yeah, Transylvania 6-5000 yeah. and stuff. It was very, very... It was a little was more... Gordon, right? Yeah. It was a little more put-together version of Saturday the 14th. You had a lot of... You know, you had your, your mummy and your Dracula and all that, and kind of pairing it all together. And there was your little horror elements, callbacks to classic Universal monsters and yeah. stuff. 
It was just genuinely great. That and, and young Gina Davis in that yeah. outfit. Good golly. Well, Saturday the 14th was a much lower budget, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> but it's still a fun movie. It's a oh, fun yeah. movie to watch for sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, there's always a special place in my heart for that one. I, I like to see whenever people are trying to pillory it, but the things that they say they hate about it are what makes it what it is. Yeah, sure. It, it's kind of like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm building a house. You're like... Well, it's only one story, and it's ranch style. It's like, well, that was the that's the the plan. That's what I was building. Like, what did you expect, Corinthian? Like that right, was right, right. <laughs> like, that wasn't what I was building. I think one of, one of the things for for like gateway horror, and I I love that it's still kind of going with like the parody thing. Is it can start off movies can start off very comedy esque, but like Pixar films, they can play to audiences. Like like Shaun of the Dead, it starts off very much comedy. And it's comedy all the way through. Don't don't get it don't get it wrong at all. But there are also very shocking and deep horror elements, like the guy being ripped ripped apart through the window. Dude, there's some gore in that movie. You like Zombieland too. But yeah, it's or but it's, it starts off at that very accessible point where it's comedic, it's funny. There's there's good timing, so people that are well versed in horror can watch it and go, oh, I see the little homage bits. This is pretty great. And the people that are new to horror get that comedy to start them off before the gore kicks in. Mm-hmm. So it makes that ending more accessible because they've already invested time in the beginning. Right. So it drags, it, it drags them into it and they go, wow, maybe I like zombie movies. What other zombie movies are on there? And then they start down that drain. Right. Yeah. And next thing you know, they're exploring new directors. They're seeing new stuff. Well, another one that would fall along those lines would be, of course, Gremlins. One of our favorites. See, I don't, I'd have to, like, like if this was uh, Whose Line Is It, I'd have to buzz you on that one. Because <laughs> Gremlins is straight up horror, man. I yeah, mean, but it gr- starts off as a Christmas movie. Gremlins was written, produced, directed, and everything with a hard R in mind. It was a scary movie. It was a horror movie that Steven Spielberg's freaking marketing machine got on top of. And they're like, we could make money because Gizmo's cute. Right, but, but it's that's also, a horror ass movie. It's also like a movie. Aliens. It's also a movie. <laughs> you, you can introduce a ten year old kid with that movie. I mean, it's, it's not to the point where there's a bunch of gratuitous right. uh, right. nudity and shit like that. Yeah, know? even the it's blood is pretty much green throughout. Yeah. You see very little red blood. It scratches and right. stuff. Except for uh, they tell you, like Kate's Santa Claus. Not only do you realize right, right, he's that, eaten alive. Yeah, that Santa. Claus, oh yeah. Yeah, but there's a lot of there's a lot of lighthearted moments in that movie, oh, yeah. like the bar scene. Yeah, it's all played up for fun. Oh, when they, when they start singing the, uh, the the Snow White does have a door. Yeah, song. dude, that like have three quarters of that movie is accessible to kids. But then I there's love, when it gets dark, dude, it gets rough. I, I absolutely love Gremlins. It is absolutely like probably in my top ten of all time favorite movies. Period. I don't. I still think like it's. It's not gateway in that like you're you're poking your head in to see what's going on. That one reached out and grabbed you and pulled you in. I was like, this is. I mean, I don't know. I, I, like, like, I'm just. I, I think, I think, I think it could. I think it could trick people. I think with the the family elements, it's a lot like. So like people went into like Terminator expecting an action film. There's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's got guns. It's an action movie. It's a horror. It's film. a horror, mm-hmm. but it plays it's very slasher. well. So it can, yes, it can get you into it in that aspect of oh, it's a Schwarzenegger action film. And at the time, he was riding, he was starting on his peak. Yeah, he was, he was in transition to being the biggest star on the fucking planet. And that was going to bring in dates. Oh, I'm going to take my my date. We're going to watch this action movie. And then it got horror. When it got horror, it dug in. Mm-hmm. There's violence and just that 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 mindless evil, that stalking death coming at you. It's beautiful. What's interesting, uh, the other day somebody posted the original 
one of the original write uh, write ups of uh, Gremlins had Gizmo dying at the end, mm-hmm. and they posted the the actual original script of that scene. It was sad. <laughs> I mean, it was well, in the original write up. The Gremlins killed the dog. They killed the mom. Yeah. Um, but but it was, it was not a happy. It was a scary movie. It was, like Beetlejuice was some, like <clears throat> Beetlejuice could be considered gateway because it's so. I think a lot of what Tim Burton did was writing that accessible for the younger audience, but it gave you the elements of that gothic horror, and it brought a lot. Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, Nightmare Before Christmas. If you go to horror conventions, like those are like the predominant factors for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I totally agree with Beetlejuice. Well, I was gonna say it's like you know when when you mentioned like the com you know, like the difference between like a Gremlins versus Beetlejuice like Beetlejuice was skating on the edges right whereas Gremlins was I mean Gremlins went in a little bit more it Gre- went Gremlins bit. went deep you didn't know what you were getting into right and you when you came out of it you came out of it changed whereas like with certain ones that we've been talking about it was just a fun little lighthearted romp with elements that you're like. Okay, you know, like cool. Let me go see what's behind. Let's let me go further into this with Gremlins. You're like, holy shit! I'm glad I made it out alive. Gremlins and, and is great. Gremlins is so so good. Louis just shoved the one in the microwave. Did that affect that sucker <laughs> blown over the microwave? <laughs> I can watch that on a GIF like over and over again. It's so it's beautiful. Good. But uh, what's gonna say is, uh, dude. So we went and saw Return to Oz at the theater. When I said when Disney was in a really yeah. dark place. Yeah, with Feruza Balk. For, yeah. like, Such a weird movie. Those weird so skating good, things. It's so bizarre. What the fuck is wrong with, with this the, movie? With the Wicked Witch with the, with the heads. Yeah. And they're all like in, in horror because they're disembodied heads with personalities. And she puts them on and becomes herself. And that's just all these different... Oh, the wheelies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with their weird... Do you know it was another, another accessible <laughs> kids movie that went freaking... Dark was uh, was never ending story. Mm-hmm. Starts off very, I mean, not super light. He's being bullied and everything, but it has that that upward mobility of your soul, and you're like, yeah, he's the hero now, and everything's good. But once like he enters like the swamp of sorrow, and loses the, the and horse, it, just commits suicide, and the horse dies, and he meets the, the the turtle, and then there's the wolf, and it's destroying the world. And you're like, wow, man, this movie. Fucked up. <laughs> it <laughs> this, is. There's like the the world disappears into nothingness. You're like, oh my god, we're all screwed. It ends on a high note, but dude, when that movie kicks, like the the laser beams that if you don't if you don't have belief in yourself, they'll destroy you. They see into your soul and they'll blow you to smithereens. Dude, that movie got dark, like real dark. If you can make it through that movie and have some small sense of self still aligned, you can be in horror. You could you could take horror at that point. Well, I was going to throw in Goonies because there's a I mean even though nobody really gets hurt, there's a lot of really scary stuff in the Goonies. And the Goonies is again it's a Richard Donner like the music's right. all you know you've got the young cast it's a bunch of a bunch of kids on an adventure you know it's it's really it's Peter Pan guys I mean, right. you go search for pirate treasure, but then you got the the the, the dead guy in the ice cream freezer and you know the skeletons everywhere and then. You know, the ramifications of, like, did it, like, somebody had to, like, they, they, they rationally, you know, like, somebody had to have gotten out, because right. how would they have gotten the map or the key or any of that other stuff, but ultimately, that dude had to have been, like, one of the, one survivor. Right. Because he killed everybody else. Right. So, like, the whole sh- 
ghost ship of like dead pirates. They're all like yeah. stabbed and stuff. There's so much, you know, horror underlying the yeah. whole concept yeah. of Goonies. But we just bought it hook, line, and sinker. Dude, they were gonna put, just... they were gonna feed Chunk's hand into the blender. Uh huh. And you were just kind of like, all right, here we go. It, dude, you see, sloth. you were, you, yeah, yeah, sloth yeah. is like. We don't want to get into the human rights abuses that went into sloth being chained to the wall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, guess I mean, there's just Goonies is just one of those because, you know, you've got your your your. You know, you mentioned Lost Boys earlier. Well, Lost Boys is pure horror. It's horror. Right. It's rated R. Right. It's a vampire movie. Right. It's it's got a lot of horrific elements that I think we're desensitized to because we saw it so often when we were kids. We're, but but it's kind of like RoboCop. Like, RoboCop is a hard R film. You don't even want to play with Paul Verhoeven. That man will just (laughs) viscera infinitum. But you got Goonies. It's like PG-13, you know, PG or whatever. And my kids are watching. I'm like, this is terrifying. I'm like, yeah, you're kind of right. It's it's up there with the good stuff. Then you give the Goonies a beer or two, and it becomes (laughs) Monster Squad, which was pretty much just a slightly older Goonies. They cursed. Yep. They said bad words. They smoked. They smoked. That one kid. The one, they looked at Playboys in the clubhouse. Like that, 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 that kid that's smoking the whole time because he's the older cool brother. And you're yeah. Like, Dude, the kid's like 12. And then like the director's like, all right, light up another one. Let's get back roll, on roll set. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's good for you, kid. It puts air in your chest. Sound like John Wayne. Dude, Monster Squad was awesome to me because that was, that's another one of those where, you know, again, it's an adventure film. It was geared toward teens. I mean, you know, the, 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 the story, the, like, was. and that's that's one of those good things about Monster Squad is, and stuff like Explorers and a lot of those teenage comedies from the eighties is, is like it didn't, it didn't patronize you. It didn't pretend like you didn't know what was going on. Right. These kids are in actual danger. They're they're living their lives in a real story, and the story was good. Oh, it and was. Then, then you have the effects you know, were good too. Then you have the, like the monsters, and the monsters themselves are kind of throwbacks. So Frankenstein's a nice guy, you know, and like yeah, yeah. The, you had your Wolfman, the Black Lagoon. You had Dracula, the Mummy. And you had, and for my analytical, my questioning mind, I'm just like, okay, so what's this about? Who's that guy? What's his story? Oh like, yeah, I yeah. want to go back and like, Dad. Who's the who's the fish guy? He's a creature from the Black Lagoon. You never seen that? Rent that and watch it. You know, yeah, like, watch it. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was it was so it was so engaging and it was so accessible to so many audiences. If you were if you were in your teens, you were watching this. This was what a lot of kids, especially people I knew, got into. It was kids going off on their own. Parents nowhere to be seen. They're going to save the world. They're going to adventure. They're going to do all that. But they're squaring off with these universal monsters, and it was. The fish man looked great. Yeah, he's got the shotgun. He's a badass. He put the dynamite in the wolf man's pants. Kick him out the window. And it was it was just so good. I, one of the things that really got me about it was they, they liked horror. And I loved horror. I mean, I wasn't as big into the Universal stuff. But I'd seen a lot of it. And there was a scene when you first introduced to the... I forget the guy's name. Playing the wolf man. And he's in the phone booth. And he's calling the police. And he's, he's Yeah, he's begging for help. And that scene really got me because it, it gave humanity to a character yeah. that I'd always seen as just mindless. I never really paid attention to like, you know, Landon and the, like I was a teenage werewolf and stuff. I was just always oh, a werewolf. He's got a curse. He's going to kill people. 
But seeing that, like, wow, he doesn't want to be a werewolf. And that made, that gave a whole new dimension. And I started watching more werewolf movies because then I got into like American Werewolf in London where, dude, the transformation in that is just bone-breakingly amazing. But that, that whole point of the reluctant villain, you know, I don't want to be the villain. And I thought it was, it was just, it, it grabbed me. It made me want to know more. At the end when he gets shot... And he, and he says thank you. He says thank you. It's so good. It's poignant because mm-hmm. you feel bad for him. It's like he doesn't want to be the villain, but he just has to be. What'd you do? I told her to stop coming up and sniffing us and doing and doing stuff she knows she's not supposed to do, and she decided to bite my foot. Oh well, good on you then. It sounds like my second ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I wish it was a joke. <laughs> I should see the scars on my feet. <laughs> Back to Monster Squad, the twist ending. Where she's like, she, you know, come quick, there's monsters. You know, he calls the army. And yeah, like, dude, the, I love how the army shows up. And they're like, look, they look, they look it's like, you know, is Timmy here? And he's like, that's me. Yeah, they're like, where's the monsters? They're like, we already took care of it. You know? dude, I, just, I love that the army shows. Like, yeah. oh. The army got there because it's always like a running joke. Like we gotta call the army. But his no- his note is yeah. come quick. Yeah, there's monsters. There's monsters. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the army the was note. like, well, damn it, we better go. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody tell me what the Sam Hill is going on here. <laughs> this is so great. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that really really brings you in, and it it gets your it gets your interest stuff. A lot of those movies did more than just drag me into horror. They they gave me an appreciation for for the, the, the stories, but they also drug me into like the directors and the actors. And that's when I started realizing, you know, I liked I had a style. I didn't know what the fuck my style was. But I started realizing I had certain tastes. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, this this guy did this. You know, let me look up this and I found, you know, like like Landis. I was like, oh, what else has he done? Mm-hmm. You know, this special yeah, dude, I fucking love Animal well, House. Well, no, Animal House is brilliant, but... Right, right, you know, and then you get, like, Twilight Zone, the movie, and then, you know, you start digging in, and that really, because of those those younger those younger films, watching a lot of that stuff, again, giving me appreciation for what was just on screen, but who put it on screen, I started looking up those things, and you start finding out, like, Romero did these movies, and right. then Wes Craven does this stuff, and I'm like, oh, I really like... How this person does effects. What other movies do they have? <clears throat> dude, once IMDb came out on the internet, dude, that was dude, my I, number one site. Saw, I don't I, know if you saw the post I made the other day. Yeah. yeah dude, I, I can't I live I on I can't that. watch a movie without getting on IMDb. I want to know who did these effects. Uh, oh, who else did... What else did they do? Let me look up some of their, their catalogs. That's why, you know, I was looking at... Uh, I made that post today. Who would you put on your Mount Rushmore? Horror. I was honestly... I'm like... It, that's, that's it would be awesome. directors. Yeah. It would be guys that created the movies, the movies that I love. You know, Wes Craven would be up there. Easily. You know, there, there, there's certain directors that just, what they did made such a profound effect on my life. You know, it, uh, And they influenced cultures, like pop culture. Horror, big time. Has, it's just, it blew up. And you got to where people who don't even speak the same language as the directors and the actors and the script writers making these films, you know, like Freddy Krueger. It's iconic. Oh, dude. You go to any country in the <clears throat> world, and they know who Freddy is. They know who Jason is. There's, you wear a hockey mask. Well, yeah, they know exactly who completely the scene in like Christmas Vacation. There's an action figure. Eduardo, yeah. Eduardo had one. Yeah. There's an action figure 
At the horror con of Chevy Chase with his chainsaw and his hockey mask, whatever he's getting, when he's going crazy and cutting down the next next door neighbor's tree, it was like, oh shit, that's how it crosses over the chainsaw and the mask. You know, like Tom Hanks did it, and or was it Tom Hanks? No, it was uh, Michael Keaton and Mr. Mom. Yeah, yeah, with the chainsaw, like there's like there's certain throw-ins to like. They're little nods. They're little... Yeah. What was it? Tom Hanks did like a, a Nightmare on Elm Street reference in The Burbs where he's talking about like Freddy Krueger's claw coming out. What was it? Was that The Burbs? He's all... Ah! Yeah. It's like <laughs> flying up. <laughs> it's just... It, it branched out and, and it, horror is a very universal thing. A lot like comedy. People and a like lot being like scared. Love. They like adrenaline. Right. Just like roller coasters. Right. Like, like mm-hmm. I was saying. It just... That, that feeling, that rush. It, it right. gives people a euphoria. It, it sounds weird for me to say that, but... No, no. Know, it's, it's, it's like you say. You mentioned the roller coaster and I think that is the, the best thing because um, I, I catch strange hell for being both a horror writer a horror fan you know a horror podcaster I, I do a Halloween show like everybody's like man you're Mr. Halloween like well in in my everyday life in my reality like I'm a, I'm a dad you know I like a nice yard I make Easter decorations too I love me some comedy and stupid old sitcoms like like I'm not I don't just necessarily walk around living breathing living horror but there's just something about it that just like you say it's like the roller coaster ride when you sit down and you watch a good scary movie or even if you watch a bad scary movie you get in you strap in you go for a ride you come out and you either you're either like that was awesome I want to do it again or you're like oh that was lame I I've, I've, I've been on better rides but it's still just a ride you right. know and it's so much right. fun right. well I tell people all the time I did a post about this on the Facebook forum and you know most of my comfort movies are horror movies easily they're the ones that put me in a good mood easily so I laugh like, so and, much and I, I, I yeah. find myself sometimes you know one of the reasons I'm, I'm still fucking single and I've been single for so damn long is I'll meet people and they'll be like oh yeah I love horror movies too I love scary movies everybody says that and shit like, until it comes down to the yeah plan. like if I throw on you know break out the VHS tapes and do a three uh Three movie basket case marathon. Are you gonna be okay with that? Because <laughs> most of them won't be. A lot of yeah, a lot of them don't fully. I've had people because I'm I'm a big horror dude and I talk about horror all the time. And one of the questions I get randomly from people that aren't big into horror is, is tell me a movie that's scary. And I tell them, you know, I haven't been scared by a movie since I was a little dude, kid. I try to tell my kids. That it's shit. not about. It wasn't about. Does it scare me? It's like, does it bring me in? Am I entertained? Does this pull me forward? Do I giggle a little bit? Do I like, oh, what's coming? Here, right. well, here it is. The thing is, to me, like, that's that's always been my rating scale right. on, on scary movies and books. Like, especially since we started the podcast, is, is you know, is it scary? Because we are desensitized. There are certain, you know, Sure. So, like, again, you know, quick story, you know, like, we were doing a fresh eyes on Lost Boys, like, right, right. and that's one of my like that's one that I could probably quote from beginning to end. And sitting down with my wife, she's like, "I've never seen it." I was like, "Oh my god, it's the best movie ever!" We sit there and watch it, and sit there watching it, fresh eyes, realizing that there's a lot more horror elements right. in it. There's a lot more makeup, effects, violence, and death than I remember because I just remember it being awesome. I don't necessarily remember specific details, just. It's kind of like a record. Yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. You're like, Power Slave is an awesome record. And you're like, okay, get into the songs. And you're like, oh shit, the solo right. on Power Slave is amazing. You don't realize it when you're thinking about the record. 
until you get to the song. She she's like this is you know she's like it's not for her. She's like this is dumb. This is like I can understand why you like it because you were a teenager in the eighties, and if you were a teenager in the eighties, I understand. But to me, this is kind of dumb. I'm like fair enough. Move along. She's like whoa whoa. You can't just go to bed and leave me alone. We have to watch like something funny or something. Like, you need a palate cleanser. <laughs> because she needed a palate cleanser because to her it was actually scary. To me, I was just like... It's Lost know, Boys. Rock and roll. It's Lost Boys. You know, It's like that roller coaster ride that you've been on a hundred times. You forget about the little whiplash thing at the end that makes everybody else dizzy and you're just kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. They <laughs> Watch your step getting out. What she needed was she needed to get that image of, of uh, Alex Winter's mullet out of her head. <laughs> that beautiful crimped mullet. Gorgeous. No wonder they killed him first. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to bring us to the end of this one. We have uh, had a blast talking about gayly horror and you know what? I think we're going to pretty much hit stop and then start over again on something else. Thank you as always for listening to the Scary Dad Podcast. Check in next week. Same time, same channel. And uh, Keep it scary. Later. Have fun.